Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 35 of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I speak to the founder, producer, and director of the Camino Island Radio Theater. Please welcome Ed Bednarzik. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I got to speak to Ed Bednarzik, who started the Camino Island Radio Theater, but has a whole history in voice acting, uh, as well as a 34-long career with United Airlines. On top of that, he's also been very influential in our community in starting some other projects, such as the Camino Soapbox Derby. He worked with Randy Hegel and some others on that project. Um, and he's always been very active in the community, whether that's through the chamber or uh, different events. I know that in the last uh, uh, chili chowder cook-off that we had, he was the uh, MC for the night. So anyways, had a great time with him. You actually get to hear a little bit of his voiceover acting uh, in this podcast. So that was, that was really fun to witness. Um, yeah, as well as some of the big projects that he's worked on. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Ed Bednarzik. Hey, Islanders, it's Brandon with the Camino Voice. And on this episode, I get to speak to the founder, producer, and director of the Camino Island Radio Theater. Welcome, Ed Bednarzik. Hey, thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Um, Before we get started on everything, tell us a little bit about Ed. Well, let's see. I am from Connecticut. I was born in New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, that's actually where my acting career started, was in Connecticut, uh, first in front of my family <laughs> in, okay. in the living room. And that's probably the best audience you can ever have because they're uh, they're going to tell you if it was good or bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I was in a show, uh, I was probably 10 years old and I, uh, w- I did some acrobatic work prior to that. And then I was in a show at the Goodspeed Opera House and Peter Pan, the musical Peter Pan, um, and I played one of the Lost Boys, and it was a professional cast out of New York. The Goodspeed Opera House is on the banks of the Connecticut River, and for those listeners out there, I encourage you to look it up and and check out the Goodspeed Opera House in uh, East Haddam, Connecticut. It's on the banks of the Connecticut River, old Victorian theater, beautiful, and that is where Annie was first produced before it went to Broadway. Really? And the producer, oh, cool. yeah, the producer of uh, of Peter Pan that I was in, has produced. Oh, gosh, many, many musicals. His name is Michael Paul Price, and he was the first producer, Michael Paul Price, first producer of Annie before it went to Broadway. And then when it went to Broadway, they asked Michael to bring it to uh, Broadway, and he said, no, my home is here at the Goodspeed. And that's uh, that's a vote of confidence in his abilities and his uh, you know uh, passion for what he was doing. But um, so I was on stage there for a couple of weeks. Uh, Nancy Dussault, who was on, oh, um, too close for comfort of sitcom back in the eighties, I think, and and uh, she was Peter Pan in it, and so it was just great. And Peter Foy, who was the original guy who did the flying for Mary Martin on Broadway for those um, uh, seniors out there that remember uh, Mary Martin on Broadway back in the fifties. Uh, he was the guy who flew Mary Martin on Broadway and he developed a company called the Foy Brothers and uh, they do, to this day, the Foy Brothers do all the flying on all the shows in Broadway and big shows like probably, you know, Garth Brooks flying across Texas Stadium when he did that in the 90s, I think it was. Um, They probably did that. I mean, they're that extreme. Got it. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Oh, very cool. So they were kind of like the pioneers of people flying in plays. Yeah, and I got to meet Peter Foy. He was the one who flew our show, and he was the founder of all that, so it was really cool. That's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when was that then? That show was in 1967. I know I don't look that old. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I think, 1967. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it was cool. So that's how my that's where my acting career started, and and then I moved to Florida after that and uh, went to college down there. Um, and uh, I was in some drama in school at college. 
and then, um, you know, graduated college, became a flight attendant for United Airlines. I had a 34-year career at United Airlines really? uh, as a okay. flight attendant. And that's where I met my wife. Um, she had a 25-year career there, and, and we flew all over the place and worked a lot together, she and I. And uh, so that was cool. Um, and then uh, I lived in the D.C. area for quite a while, uh, and that's where I started really you know, getting into acting and doing on-camera work. And also... Uh, uh, that's where my voiceover career started as well. My first first voiceover demo was on a cassette. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, very cool. Yeah, a little, little uh, age myself <laughs> there. But, yeah, throwback. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very cool. So then you were, uh, you were into the like arts pretty early on with mm-hmm. drama or theater and stuff like that. I was. Um, when you went to Florida, what did you study then? I studied journalism. Okay. Uh, I was at the University of Florida studying journalism and wanted to go to law school. And uh, then got the job um, with United back then and never looked back. And it was a 34-year career. I always say the best part of that career at United was meeting my wife. So, uh, <laughs> Good so that answer. Was, yeah, that was a, a, a great uh, benefit. Um, but, yeah, in, in uh, Florida, you know, I said went to high school, college down there. And my family's, uh, some of my family's still down there. My brother's there. And uh, then with the airline job, lived in multiple states um, covering that career, met my wife in Colorado, and then uh, we moved to Florida for a while, and and then uh, that's my connection to the Pacific Northwest. Okay. So uh, she's, we moved up to D.C., we were flying out of there for a while, and then she says, you know, how would you like to move to Seattle? And I said, wow, I said, I would love to be up in the Pacific Northwest. I would come out here on vacations okay. since the early 80s with her, and then I just fell in love with the area, and she has friends and her cousins up on Friday Harbor. Oh, okay. So up oh, in nice. San Juan, yeah. And we, I just, of course, should have bought land back then, but <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't believe back then even how cheap it was. But um, so then we were living in uh, Renton, um, and uh, for a while, uh, no, we went back to D.C. and then moved out here and lived in Renton for about three years. Uh, my wife's mom was there, and we stayed with her for a while. Um, and then uh, we kind of were looking for a place in a waterfront community. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So then, um, so you were with United for the 34 years? 34 years, yeah. So then what, I'm just kind of curious, because I, I know that a lot of people, um, well, I assume a lot of people end up taking a job like that, like, in in process of getting into another career or maybe becoming a flight pilot. Yeah. What was it that kind of drew you to stay with them for that long? That's a lot well, of time. Well, it was the best full-time, part-time job you could ever have because it uh, your scheduling there is, you know, you're working 16, 17 days a month, um, sometimes less. And as my career, further into my career when I had more seniority, I mean, I was working... 12 days, 14 days a month. And I still did my voiceover work and, and other things while I had the aviation career oh, at United. Okay. So I always had a second and third job. And um, I always did something else um, from working at a resort, uh, swimming pools at resorts, to um, before I met my wife, and then uh, doing the acting, and then the voiceover work, um, I've done a bunch of stuff, and I've worked for. Uh, I've given my time to a lot of nonprofits too, on the fundraising side of things and raising money for nonprofits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so then, when did when when did you start doing the voiceover acting then during that career? Yeah, I, it was in the '90s, uh, mid '90s is when I did because when I started because I already had agents representing me on the acting side, and so I thought, well, you know, I should look into doing some voiceover work because I, I played around a lot with impersonations and uh and different you know funny character voices and i thought well you know this would be kind of cool and so i already had agents so i went out to get a demo i i cut a demo uh tape uh which was a couple of minutes long on cassette for an audio demo and uh, my agents took the demo and they started marketing me as a voiceover actor okay so yeah. then um just 
just out of curiosity, because, you know, we've all gone on those flights where, like, the flight attendant, like, kind of makes a show out of it. Yeah. Um, did you get any practice during that time on your voice acting? Tons of it, because <laughs> I was, uh, as a purser, as the, the you know, chief purser on a flight, you make all the announcements and all of that. So I people would do playing and they'd say, you know, you have a nice voice. You should get into, like, radio or something. <laughs> And so, and I said, well, I already do. I already, I already am doing it. So, so it was kind of funny. But I would do some impersonations, like uh, just to have fun with the crowd. I, I like back then. I did when Ronald Reagan was in office, and I'd say, uh, well, uh, and my wife's name is Nancy. So I'd say, uh, <laughs> well, uh, Nancy and I are uh, glad to, um, well, be here on your uh, flight today, uh, serving you to, um, to uh, Washington D.C. And uh, yes, I've uh, come out of retirement to, uh, well, uh, do this as a flight attendant. Yes, that's it. <laughs> So I would do things like that and crack the crowd up and just have some fun and loosen it up up there because, you know, it's it can be a, a tight audience, a tough audience or a good one, but typically they all like it and, and laugh. Yeah. And then I'd get to the back and I'd say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this here is Roy, your flight attendant here in the back, and I'm going to explain the breakfast menu to you on a flight today to D.C. So listen up for your choices. Now, if your first choice isn't available, we got a second choice for you. So... Do stuff like that just to have fun. So, yeah, I, I, I was practicing all the time. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and getting paid for it. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, That's great. the best way to yeah, practice. It was great, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So, real quick, I want to touch on, you said you already had agents for your acting career. Mm -hmm. What were you doing? Is I know you started, you did some stuff at the opera. What else were you doing then? Yeah, at the Good Speed Opera House. That was early on. Um, and then I was doing a lot of TV commercial work um, from Philadelphia down to D.C., so that whole corridor there, and I would literally drive. I was living; we were living in Virginia um, at the time, and I would drive up to Philadelphia for a one quick audition in one day, and drive back four hours or so each way. Um, and uh, it was really worth my time because I booked quite a few commercials up there and on camera things, and uh, so that was really a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed it very much, and and did a lot of um, theater work in Virginia as well. Uh, I was in the musical Barnum. I played P.T. Barnum in the musical Barnum. Okay. And uh, I always say that, uh, what's his name, that uh, played P.T. Barnum in the movie? Um, uh, Hugh Jackman? Hugh Jackman's got nothing. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So uh, so I did that, and uh, I was in another show called Witness for the Prosecution, and that was really fun. I played Sir Wilfred in that. Um, and then some other shows. But, yeah, it was just uh, a fun, fun thing doing live theater. But, unfortunately, live theater is a lot, a lot of work yeah. and doesn't pay a lot of money. Nope. <laughs> and uh, so unless you're, you know, on Broadway and you're you're doing all of that, which I was not on Broadway, but I would love to have been. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, and uh, I love the work. I love acting. Love getting up in front of a crowd. Um, it's my wheelhouse. Yeah, that's yeah. that's very cool. So, um, what what was your favorite part that you've gotten to play in a uh, in a play? Oh, P.T. Barnum, for sure. Yeah, you, you know, if you're familiar with uh, Music Man, Harold Hill, the yeah. character in Music Man, it's very similar character in that P.T. Barnum, bigger than life, project a bigger than life character on <clears> stage <throat> in front of all these people, and and uh, and I was not a singer, um, but I auditioned for a bit part that had one little song in it. And I came out of the audition, and um, I said to my wife, who was waiting there, and she is a musician, uh, classically trained, all of that. And she came. I came out of the audition. She said, well, how'd, how'd you do? And I said, well, I think they're looking at me for the lead role. She said, what? Are you kidding? Do you, <laughs> do you realize how much music is in there? So she wanted to see all the charts of all the music. And she, says, she said to the director, I, I don't know how he can do this. You know, he's not a singer. <laughs> he can sing, but he's not a trained singer. So I always like a good challenge. And, I, and so I had about four months of coaching between my wife and an, another person um, who was uh, uh, the music director at our church there who's um uh, has a degree in in music and in in voice and all of that so between the two of them i had some excellent training and sang in front of a large uh, a, a full orchestra and so oh, for not cool. ever having sung before on a stage to be singing in front of a full orchestra was really fun it was wow. it was an adrenaline rush i'm sure yeah especially when i came in on the wrong verse on one song and i thought the conductor was going to fall out of the pit you know but <laughs> But it was fun. It was great. Yeah. Oh. P.T. Barnum was a great character to play. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. Cool. 
So then, um, so you started getting your your voice acting tape um, cassette sent yeah, around. Right. Um, what was your first gig with that? Wow, um, my first gig with that. Hmm, that's a good question. I don't really remember what my first gig was, um, but I did a, a lot of corporate things back then uh, and commercial work. So it was a mix of stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah it was so, such a long time ago. Yeah. But so what were some of your early projects you worked on then? Oh, I did a lot of uh, tra- uh, training uh, work. Uh, like, well, today they call it e-learning. And uh, so online learning. Um, and then I did uh, some local commercial work. Uh, I did uh, work for, I did some voice work for State Farm. Um, I did some character voicing for uh, some commercials um again again mostly local commercials out there when my voiceover work expanded when i came out here then i was getting into more i was getting into bigger things um that were like video games and um for nintendo and different companies and and uh and and i have my own home studio okay so uh so graduating from the, I, I didn't really answer your question very well as far as my first early on work, but, but you know, I looked at it this way. I was kind of in the test market, so to speak, with that career back yeah. then and, uh, and perfecting and trying to find my signature voice because everybody has a signature voice. Okay. And a lot of people think in voice acting, they think it's just uh, being on the radio, you know, like, uh, you know, tonight on an all new, you know, uh, you know. Here's our greatest hits lineup. Well, that really isn't voiceover. It's just being a DJ. And being a voice artist, you have to be as you have to be as versatile as possible to be able to land multiple roles. And so essentially you're acting with your voice. Yeah. So when you see a car going down the road, the all new Ford Escape, you know, that kind of thing. Um or uh Arby's, what are you eating today? You know? And uh so I've done spots for them and, and uh, Nike, and, and uh, I've done training for the nuclear submarine program. I've narrated uh, four courseware training programs for them. Um, that's real technical. Probably the most demanding work I do is is that kind of work mm-hmm. uh, because you have to be so accurate with pronunciations and acronym pronunciations and things. But I love the character voicing. I've done video work um, uh, video game work for Nintendo and so what, I don't know if you're allowed to say it or not, but like as far as video game work, what sure. type of do you have? Can you list the video games that you worked absolutely? On I did a probably the biggest one I've done. Uh, two of the biggest ones I've done. One was Aeon Ascension, which is a, a social network game. It's it's probably equal to or close to World of Warcraft for those that are out there in the social uh, gaming circles. And the other one I did, a big one, was. Uh, Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn. Really? Yeah, and that's the sequel to Fire Emblem. And, yeah. And I didn't know anything about these <laughs> games because I'm not a gamer. But I w- was down in the studio recording in Seattle uh, for that, and all the writers are you know, young people like yourself. Uh, they're there, and they're explaining the character voice, the characters, and telling you where these characters live, where they're from, where they were born, and as if they really existed, because they're that's how they wrote it. They're passionate about the characters and the character development, so they want to project as much to the characters you to you as as possible, yeah. so you can portray that character um, as in how they they foresee it, um, and so that's really exciting, and uh, so. Then we did a um, we did a, a Japanese version of the game, and I did all of the uh, English uh, version. It, well, I shouldn't say we did the English version version, but it was all in Japanese on the screen to me, okay. so I could see all the animation and trying to line up, you know, with the animation with the voice movement and all of that, which was really cool. And when I first put the headphones on. I thought, oh my gosh! I think they think I speak Japanese. So I put, I took the headphones. I said, you know, you guys know I don't speak Japanese, right? They said, no, 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 that's fine. We're working on the American version, of the, the English version. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I um, voiced it, and yeah, and then American Animation Studios. I think they're out in Prosser, Washington. I've done some work for them, uh, some historical videos and animation. But I love animation, probably pretty much more than anything because you can have more creative freedom and liberty to 
go off script and and do some ad living, which I love to do. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So then, um, <clears throat> is that has that just come over time as far as ad libbing and stuff like that? Or yeah, I've been an ad libber my whole life. Okay. Yeah, my in front of my family, I I could just go off, you know, and and do things, and it just came naturally to me. I think where I got most of that from was from my dad. Uh, he was a very funny guy. Unfortunately, not with us any longer, but he. Um, is probably one of the few people I know that would drive 10 miles out of his way to pull a, a one minute joke on someone. <laughs> so, um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I learned a lot of my, uh, humorous skills and things like that from him. Very cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So then, <clears throat> so how did you end up actually finding out about Camino when you guys were down in Renton? Yeah. Well, my wife, uh, is from Minnesota originally little town called Alexandria, Minnesota, up there in the north there, in the north country there. Uh, and she, uh, when she was like three, I think, moved out here to Seattle and Spokane and then Seattle. And uh, she grew up out here and went to high school, you know, went to elementary school and high school and college and everything out here. And so uh, all of her friends and family is out here. And, and um, at the time they were when we first moved out here. So she said, oh, how'd you like to move to Seattle? Okay, great. So we did. We moved out here in 2000. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was uh, really um, cool staying in Renton for like three years. And we thought, well, we want to look around for a nice community because we left a really nice community in Virginia. And we were really involved in our community. And we wanted a community similar to that to where we you know, it was big enough to have things to do and, and fun things to do, but but a community we could get involved in. And we saw this, we were on the highway on 95, on 95, that's on the East Coast, <laughs> on I-5. And, and then we saw it on the map and we said, what's that? Camino Island, you know, let's check it out. And we said, it looks like there's a bridge or a causeway or something. <laughs> so we got off the freeway and drove over here and we were just blown away. And this was, of course, this was in 2006. Okay. And um, yeah. And so we came out here and loved it. And I ended up, so then we moved here. We, we decided to move here. We both got our real estate license at the time. Okay. And both got on with Windermere. Uh, with um, Randy and Marla Hegel here oh, very in cool. the community. Okay. And uh, so we, um, yeah, we got involved in real estate and I was a realtor here for several years, but again, always doing something else. So at one time I was a realtor, I was a flight attendant for United, and I was also doing my voice work. Okay. I had no time to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was it was really fun. And, and I think that, uh, I think anything you do in life, everything helps the next thing you do. Yeah, and uh, so I've always um, one one day I, I've always thought that if you diversify your life, it's a better life, and uh, you know, and and some people get caught in a trap, and unfortunately they're stuck. Maybe, and I always say to people like that, if you're stuck, you can unstuck. Yeah. by just make it making it happen, you know, and so. So uh, I I did and I, and I just uh, loved everything I did, um, and then I wound down the real estate where I still have my license, but I do referrals every now and then for people. Um, so if anybody's out there needing a realtor, let me know. <laughs> but I'm still with Windermere; my license is here. Um, but my full time work is my voiceover work. I retired from United Airlines in 2013, I think it was. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, and said goodbye. They offered a buyout, and I took that and, and left after 34 years. Um, and, and it was time to go. It was, you know, changing industry. And mm-hmm. after 9-11, there were so many rules and regulations. Yeah. Uh, it really changed the industry a lot. I went through a, a United, you know, United Airlines went bankrupt, um, and it was a, a big, long, drawn-out bankruptcy process and went through the corporate America thing with uh, – a big company going bankrupt and the survivability of that. And I did survive as well as many others did, but uh, some people got hurt with the bankruptcy of United. But, um, but it's a fact. I think most airlines have probably gone through one or two, Yeah. Uh, but, um, and some of them have surfaced all the better because of it. And United, I think is certainly one that's, you know, surfaced and doing well. Um, but yeah, so I still kept my voiceover career because it's my passion 
And, uh, you know, they say if you find something you're passionate about, and Steve Jobs was big on this, you'll never work a day in your life, you know? Yeah. And so um, I still work. But, <laughs> you know, I, I some days it's it's work. But, but uh, for the most part, I, I love everything about it. And um, it's just uh, when a client is a little slow to pay, that doesn't, I don't like that very much. It's the but, admin side. Yeah, that's right, the admin side. side. But I love getting the work as well. And I have agents that represent me mm-hmm. throughout the country. I have several um, talent agents that represent me. But then I also get work on my own. Uh, locally, I've been the voice of Coastal Community Bank for the last five years. Oh, very cool. So uh, their big line is uh, Coastal Community Bank, helping small business fight to win. So if you hear me on TV or radio around doing the Coastal Community Bank spots, that's me. So Very uh, cool. Yeah. And uh, it's a wonderful bank. And, you know, to be representing a brand like that that really cares about the community mm-hmm. uh, is is wonderful because they, they really do. They truly are a, a community bank. And, and I'm, I'm really proud to be... Uh, to say that I am their voice, which is really nice. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and so I actually got to interview uh, Myra and Laura. Oh, um, Laura Byer, sure. And yeah. Myra. Yeah, Reinhardt. Yep. Yep. On a previous podcast. Um, yeah. And full disclosure, um, we do bank with them, but they have, uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was great talking with them. Yeah. And, um, our experience with them has always been fantastic. They, yeah. They're really on top of everything. So. They they are. And I bank with them as well now. I didn't before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but when I was hired to do their voiceover work five years ago, I said to Laura Byers, I said, you know, uh, I should probably, and to Myra, I said, I should probably get an account here. <laughs> so, <laughs> And so we closed out our other bank and, and, and we've been with them ever since. And we just are thrilled. Their customer service is off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So... Um, so you've been doing the the voiceover. Um, what's the name of your voiceover company? Voiceover dot studio. Okay, I've got my shirt on for you today. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's voiceover dot studio, and that's how anybody can find me. And um, I uh, have a website, and if people are interested in hearing more about the work I do, or in in clicking on some of the things I've done, some video work and and my audio demo, it's on there. Uh, my second demo was a CD, and my other demo now is just no CD. It's just, <laughs> nobody has CDs anymore. Look, look how far you've come. <laughs> I know, right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, but at least I didn't start with eight track. <laughs> yeah, they, that's what I was wondering because you said cassette. My God, like, oh, so you skipped a few. There yeah, you right, right. <laughs> um, okay, so then how did you get started with Command? Or how did you start Kamano Island Radio Theater then? Yeah, well, Kamano Island Radio Theater. You know, because I've been in the voice business, and I always wanted to do it, and at um, Alan Webb was a realtor here on the island, and he has a degree in theater. And, and he and I were talking about it oh, years ago uh, when we were in the office, and I got to find out he had a degree in theater. And I said, he said, yeah, we should put something together. Well, you know, I, I said, okay, great. And then when I did it, he got busy with other things and couldn't join me. And that was unfortunate. I wish he could have because uh, it was our original idea. And uh, so I ran with it and uh, formed a group. We're all, um, uh, there's about eight of us in the group, and that includes our sound effects person. Um, And we do pure uh, 1940s old-time radio uh, theater, just like you would hear on the radio, driving in your car or being at home in the 40s. Some people didn't have cars, stayed at home, didn't have TVs, and um, listened to radio. Uh, and I think it's really great to see a a rebirth of that, not just in our community, but in the country. Um, and it's, it's really great. I, I love doing it. We've performed all over the Island here. Uh, we did a, we've done a lot of fundraisers and give back to the community by donating the show. So we've raised several, we've raised several thousand dollars for different nonprofits in the community. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And, uh, I'm on the board of directors. I'm the vice president on the Camino uh, schoolhouse foundation. Okay. For those of you listening, it's a 1906 schoolhouse over on, um, Oh, Orchid Road, right off of uh, Chapman Road on the west side of Camino. Yeah. And that's the schoolhouse. It's all lit up at Christmas time now. And um, uh, Holiday Lighting Northwest does a great job of sponsoring that. They light it all up professionally. They've done it uh, a couple of years now. This is, I think, our third or fourth year coming up. Yeah. And uh, Greg Sicotti, the owner of uh, Dapper Dan, and also owns Holiday Lighting Northwest, uh, 
I always like to give them a plug, you know, and, and uh, they do gutter cleaning and roof cleaning and window cleaning, all that great stuff and handyman services for your home at Dapper Dan. But they also have holiday lighting Northwest. So I approached him and uh, kind of getting off on a tangent here, but but that's how we got the schoolhouse all lit up for the holidays. And, and so I'm glad to be on the board there. Uh, so we did a fundraiser um, just in January, mm-hmm. another one, and raised um, some nice money for the schoolhouse through the radio theater uh, performing yeah. performance. Yeah, yeah, and I got to have um, Chuck on the uh, the president, of, right? Um, Chuck Durland. Yeah. Yes, so mm-hmm. I got to have him on the podcast, and cool. Um, it was it was a lot of fun talking with him. Yeah, and, um, he's had a, like super long history with nonprofits and working oh, in these um, yeah. different places. So yeah, he puts in a lot of time for yeah. this community, and, and hats off to Chuck. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. And his wife, Isabel. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. got to see them recently. Uh, the Camino Center had a Valentine's dance recently. Oh, right. Right. So my they wife love and to I dance. went to that. And so um, got to see them there as well. So yeah. that's fun. That's awesome. Um, very cool. So then are, are all of the shows that you guys have done for the radio theater, have those all been originals then? All original, not our shows original, but original shows that were aired in the 40s. Okay. So they are classic radio shows their uh, public domain so we can use the scripts and uh, and we stay pretty true to the script. We do a little bit of rewriting here and there to make it maybe a little more relevant, some of the jokes yeah. or something. But we typically do a mystery and a comedy all in one show. Okay. And uh, we'll have an intermission between both shows. But it's really fun. Uh, the community loves it and they, people keep asking, hey, when are you doing more? When are you doing more? And, you know, it's it, it's to get everybody to commit to, you know, doing a show and working up new scripts, um, yeah. keeping it relevant. I think our next one's going to be at the Grange uh, down uh, south of the Elger Bay store. Okay. And uh, we, we want to help them raise some money. So I think we'll do one in April or May there. But people can tune into our website, KamenoIslandRadioTheater.com to learn more about the upcoming upcoming shows. And we'll be updating that fairly soon with some new show dates. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. that's something um, uh, we're, I want to be able to do in the next, this year. Um, I was talking to my wife about it, and she said, basically, if it's anything that would have been done, like, as a date in the 1940s or 50s, yeah. like, that's something I'd want to do. So. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic, because you can actually sit there and close your eyes. And and it would be like you were listening to the radio and hearing the sound effects and all of that. It's just really, uh, really fun. You know, we really try to bring the story to life like they did back then. Yeah. And um, we've toyed with doing It's a Wonderful Life over the holidays. And I think that would be a, a great radio show. I don't know if we're going to hit the mark this coming holiday season uh, for Christmas, but it's something um, that's on our top of our list to want to do. So yeah. that would be fun. And I uh, have live music. And, and we do. We have a pianist. Andy Carr is our pianist. And uh, he's local here. He's with the A-Town Big Band. And he also plays with, um, I think it's their their band is called Swing Nuts. Um, okay. Yeah. And uh, um, that's really a, a fun uh, group, too. But Andy's our piano player, and he does a great job. Very yeah, cool. He does a great job. Yeah, well, it's fun because I, I mean, I grew up listening to, uh, so Focus on the Family had a lot of different, they would do some radio theaters. They did Adventures in Odyssey, which was like a kid's program. Oh, yeah, right. Um, so I grew up listening to a lot of different stories on like cassettes and stuff like that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this sounds really cool. So Yeah, it is really cool. And I want to kind of dive into back when Nancy and I moved to the community. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, you know, for those listening, I, you know, if you're sitting there wondering, well, you know, you've moved to this community, if you're new in the community, or even if you've been here a long time, and if you're not involved in the community, I encourage everybody to get involved. You know, come up here to the marketplace and walk around and, you know, come out for lunch or, or buy some croissants or, or you know, do your gift shopping here, buy local. And, and I think it's it's really important to the you know, the sustainability of, of the livelihoods we have in the community. Yeah. And and uh, you do a great job running the marketplace. And your dad, Jeff, is amazing. You know, he just just wonderful, Thank wonderful yeah. things here and, and has for years. And uh, and and never give and has never given up, you know. And and uh, and so um, so I, I just look at businesses that don't give up on the community uh, are awesome because and more the reason why we shouldn't give up on those businesses mm-hmm. because those businesses that are here and have been for a long time 
especially the, the ones that have been here a long time, that haven't given up and haven't pulled up stakes. They've made it happen. They've developed it. They've gotten out into the community and done a lot of things to let people know what they're all about. And so I think we need to all support the businesses that support our communities. And, and when Nancy and I moved here uh, and encouraged the new businesses to get involved in the communities, yeah. And and uh, because I just think it's a, it circles back to, to good things, and it's not always about dollars and cents. It's just about doing good for your community. Um, when we moved here, I always say this: when you move to a community, you can choose to be you can choose to live in the community, or you can choose to be a part of it. And being a part of it covers living in it. And if you're a part of it, uh, it it comes back in so many ways uh you know to you from rewards that you get yeah. by by being a part of it and and it 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 gets you out of the house it, it allows you to have fun and allows you to meet your neighbors and um and so this community that we found outside of virginia was perfect for us yeah and uh i you know i can't imagine living anywhere else you know it's beautiful yeah very cool um, well, on top of that, I know that you, I just want to touch on briefly, because I know, I think I missed, you did one in January, um, but you actually do um, like classes on voiceover acting as well, I right? do, yeah. Thanks for uh, bringing that up. I, I do voiceover workshops, and I started this a couple of years ago, and I would get, and the way it started was I would get people to ask, well, I've always, they would say, I've always wanted to do voiceover work. You know, okay, well, it's like anything, you want to learn to be a painter? Start painting houses. Yeah. Um, if you you know want to be a nurse, go to nursing school. Um, if you want to run a business, learn some management. You know, and and so um, it's the same thing with voiceover. You have to train. Just because you have a, a voice and you can speak, doesn't mean you know how to do voiceover, uh, because it is acting with your voice. And so uh, improv is great training. Acting classes is great training. But I developed this workshop because people would come up to me and ask me that question. And sometimes I'd get a few people in the studio and I'd give them free time and, and I'd get them on mic and I'd let them read for half an hour to an hour and, and I would coach them a little bit. And I'd kind of do that to see where they were at. And then I'd give them feedback and some some information to be able to practice on their own and and get into the work uh, of voiceover on their own by um, listening to commercials on TV, on radio, getting some books that I recommend to them. And then I'd see them on the street a month or two later. Hey, did you get those books? No, I never did. And this. So finally I thought, well, I'm going to kind of pull back here on on just giving my time. Be- yeah. And yeah. especially if people aren't going to do anything with it, you right. know. And so... Um, so I did, and I and I just thought, well, maybe I'll I'll do some workshops. Mm-hmm. So I started the first one uh, a couple of years ago, and I did it at Cama Beach, in the forest room at the state park at the Cama Beach, um, the big lodge there. They have a room off the side, and it was very successful. I had such a um, response to the ad that I put in the crab cracker, which I love the crab cracker, by the way. Yeah, and the Stanley Camino News. I love them both, and uh, I put an ad in the crab cracker and. Uh, it was really awesome, and I, I had I don't know maybe ten people in my first workshop, and it it goes from like ten in the morning till five or four thirty in the afternoon, and and so we we go from about about ten to twelve thirty, then we break for lunch, and then I get everybody up on mic after lunch, and they go through some scripts that I select, and then I I let them read through and record them. And then I let them read through it a second time after some coaching by me and see how they improve in the read after they've had a few minutes of coaching. And they typically improve on the second read and little lights you can see going off in their head like, wow, with a little bit of coaching, I got better. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we have those exercises that go in the second part of the of the day because everybody's kind of warmed up to each other and yeah. they're not as nervous and and uh but it's just just full i give them so much information they leave there full of information on what kind of gear to purchase uh like the microphones we're talking on here today to the audio editing programs um and then how to work on their own at first but most importantly how not to get ripped off in the business because you know as well as i do there's always people in a business world that's 
they're trying to take advantage of somebody. Yeah. And and I, I always encourage them to take what I taught them in, in the workshop and really use the tools that I'm giving them so they don't go down a bad path in the business and get hurt financially by somebody by somebody trying to take their money right. and over promising and under delivering. And, yeah. And so especially in the acting business and, and you know, that business there's a lot of people preying on people. And that's P R E Y, by the way, praying, not P R A Ying on people. <laughs> um, and there's a big difference. But uh, so, yeah, and so I've done a couple up in Bellingham, affiliated with a studio there that's affiliated with um, Western Washington University. And uh, I worked with uh, the head of their department, uh, their audio engineering department. And so um, I actually hired one of their audio engineers, a student. Um, paid him to uh, engineer the session for me and then utilize their studios there. And I've done, I think, four or five so far in the area. Okay. And I'll be doing another one probably in either end of March or first part of April um, here on Camino Island. And so stay tuned. If anybody's interested, they can email me at ed at voiceover.studio. And uh, I can, you know, give them information there. Uh, and, yeah, and so uh, I've really enjoyed doing it. I've never really been an instructor, so to speak. But I think if you know your business well enough mm-hmm. um, that you can, you know, do a fine job teaching, providing you're not afraid to get up and talk to people, yeah. uh, which I'm not. And <laughs> so it developed into this business now where I'm actually – uh, developing other workshops throughout the country. Oh, very cool. So uh, my first one out of this area will be in Arizona, probably um, the third week of third weekend of March. Uh, and then I'll take it and I'll do more in April. My goal is to do 30 workshops this year through different cities in the country, Madison, Wisconsin, Spokane, um, possibly Boston, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, Houston, uh, Spokane and Boise, Idaho, and okay, yeah, and and uh, I th- I'm really excited about doing it because I I find that I love getting up and talking to people that are excited about getting into the business, but are kind of like a deer in the headlights of how to get in. You know, it's not like being a singer or a musician where you can go take guitar lessons easily or uh, trombone lessons or singing lessons. Right. Voiceover, it's like. Well, how many places are around that teach voiceover? Not right. many. Yeah, uh, and so it's uh, it's kind of a uh, a tight market in that regard. But um, you go to some of the major markets like New York and Chicago and L.A. There's plenty of resources there. So my goal is to target areas that and go into areas where and make it more accessible to people in areas where it's not readily available. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Well, that's another thing I'm very interested in, so um, I'll be hitting you up on that as well. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I like to end every interview with uh, some rapid-fire questions. Okay. So the first one is, do you have a lesser-known or favorite location on Camano Island that you like to hang out? A lesser-known favorite? Um, yeah, uh, let me think about that. I love going down to uh, the state parks. Everybody probably says that. Who wouldn't like going down there? But I love some of the trails. And I have a golden retriever. She's four years old. Oh, okay. So I take her out almost every day, and we're out running around somewhere. Um, wow, Brandon, you stumped me on that question. <laughs> uh, you know, I've never been to Barnum Point. I've been near it, but it was closed until recently. Now it's open and, yeah. and accessible. Yeah. So that's going to be high on my list uh, to get out to do. Um you know, really, I live on the water, and my, my beach in front of my house is probably my sanctuary place. Yeah. You know, I, I love going out in my little crab boat, and I row out and go crabbing, and uh, that's probably my lesser-known place for a lot of people, especially in the summer. You'll find me down there a lot. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um, pretend you have a friend coming from out of town who hasn't been here before. Uh, what would their first day look like here? Well, their first day would be um, just, we just had friends in, my best friend and his uh, his new girlfriend. They came in and we actually came in here and got some croissants. Oh, very cool. Thank <laughs> the you. The almond croissants are amazing. And so uh, we definitely took them here. Uh, 
And we took them to state parks, probably took them there first, uh, and then cruised through the different neighborhoods and uh, Madrona and over on the east side as well and show them the, the diversity of the island yeah. and uh, how cool it is and, uh, and, you know, more wooded down on the south end and, and uh, taking them around there and, and, of course, the state parks, like I said. And, um, but, yeah, that's kind of the day. And, and uh, I always recommend the zip lining. I mean, I'm afraid of heights, so I probably won't be doing it. But, <laughs> but um, I also show them, and I wanted to mention this, the Soapbox Derby. You know, I get, yeah. get back to the community. I've been, uh, you know, I was the one, one of the people with Randy Heagle. He and I and a few others uh, helped start that derby together. Okay. Uh, 13 years ago now. And, uh, and so I, I am very passionate about that. I've gone out and raised a lot of the sponsorship dollars for that race. And, and, uh, I'm, you know, excited that we have it here and, and it's the largest soapbox derby west of the Mississippi and the only one in the state of Washington. And, and, uh, so if anybody wants to talk to me about sponsorship, call me edit voiceover.studio. <laughs> Very um, cool. But it's always Father's Day weekend. This year it's June 20th. Okay. And, uh, I encourage everybody in the community to come out. It's growing every year and we had it in the streets of Stanwood for years. And then Randy, uh, and his wife, Marla stepped up and they bought the ranch out there on Arrowhead and, uh, 20 acre facility now, um, I mean, that's a million dollar facility out there and that is just gorgeous and beautiful. And, uh, yeah. and it's all been by private, uh, money and, uh, and sponsorship dollars. Yeah. That, uh, and they keep adding to it. They've added they the axe throwing this last year. That's right. And, um, yeah. Yeah. They hosted the, the chamber end of year barbecue out there. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, uh, it's just such a neat. It is a neat location. It is. And another thing for the people to do, and, and that's something I didn't take my friends to, was I didn't take them to the axe throwing, but when they come back out, that's a must. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll have to do that. Very cool. And, of course, ice cream here at the market is phenomenal. So Yeah. 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 Thank you. Um, all right. So who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? Interesting or fascinating person in the community? Um Probably my wife and her music partner. Very cool. <laughs> Heartstrings. They are very interesting. And I think it's really interesting how they met in high school and have stayed in touch through the years, except for a little bit, um, several years there that they didn't. And, uh, and, and the good things that they're doing with their music in this community. I mean, they're, they're really providing quality entertainment. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think they're interesting. And, and Steve was a high school choir director. And college choir director, um, Nancy has taught guitar, and and she's also a professional organizer, uh, which is an amazing story in itself. Um, you know, she's dealt with, you know, all kinds of clients that, um, you know, from uh, people that gather too many items and they don't know how to get rid of them or what to do with them, or their kids gather too many, or items. their kids <laughs> gather too many items, and but I think. Uh, you know, I think they they little biased there, but I think they would be uh, interesting to interview. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's so many people in this community to that to interview, and I I think focusing on to the people that are doing a lot of you know good for the community, and mm-hmm. um, and there's so many. You yeah, know, it's hard to name a name. Yeah, I mean, I know Randy Hegel does so much, and his wife, and they're just an amazing group of people. I don't know how they have the energy to do what they do, but they do. Right. So they don't give up; they keep going. You know. Yeah. Their no. can-do spirit is is great, and I think a lot of people on the island, uh, their can-do spirit is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, really, um, I think we're a a pretty. Uh, Incredible community, a standout community up here in the Pacific Northwest, and I think a lot more people are finding about Camino, finding out about Camino Island. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, all right. Lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard on Camino Island, right as you're driving on the island, uh, what would that say? Make your first U-turn and make plans to move here. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, that's what I, I would say if, as they're driving off the island. Very um, cool. Yeah, a community that community that cares, community that gives back, a community where you should be. Yeah, 
that's that's actually really funny because most of the people, especially the old timers who have been here on Camino a long time, most of them say, um, thanks for visiting. See you later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. You know, and you see, all of a sudden I'm driving down West Camino and I see all this land uh, just the other day just all being cleared. And yeah. I know they're, uh, you know, trying to find land to build more houses and things. But, um, you know, but the good thing, though, is I, I think our growth is good here. I, I, You know, we have... I think we have good growth. I'm excited about the new high school, even though I don't have children, but I voted for it. I think you have to vote for things like that in the community to, uh, for the community to sustain itself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause when, you know, people move here or the people that live here want good quality education for their kids. Well, you have to have a good facility for, to attract good teachers and to yep. keep good teachers and, and treat them well too. Yeah. Amen to the good teachers. Yes, for sure. They they do a lot. We uh, I got to interview George Colby, who is... Oh, George. I know um, George, yeah. Yeah, he's just yeah. he does so much for the students. Yep. His heart is just so much for them. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, it's great talking with him. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's so, awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much for taking time to talk yeah, with me Brandon, today. Yeah, Brandon, thanks for having me on the show. You do such a great job with this, and, and, and I'm glad you're doing this because, uh, you know, I, I think everybody listening, you should tell more people about the podcast and, and get them to listen because this is a great resource for people to find out about the community where mm-hmm. they live, and it might spark an interest for you to get involved in something that some of these people that uh, Brandon is having come on the show are involved in and and maybe that's something that you'd want to be involved in too yeah very cool and islanders i will talk to you on the next one well a big thank you to ed bignarzik for joining me on the podcast today and thank you for listening if you haven't already be sure to rate review and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and for more information on this episode go to kamenocommons.com slash ep35 that's kamenocommons.com slash EP35. Thanks for listening and see you next time.